In the bulletin is an outline for our lesson today, Hobbies and Holiness. I grabbed on to the title because had a little alliteration to it. Hobbies and Holiness. I also wanted to key in on the word holiness to remind us of where we had studied uh, over a year ago, I believe. The idea of holiness, we came to the conclusion, is the idea when something is holy, that is something that is set apart from what is common to serve God's purpose. So a thing can serve God's purpose, or a person can serve God's purpose. So for us to be holy, we need to be set apart from just normal, everyday people, what is common, set apart from them, because we are going to serve God's purpose. And if we know God's purpose in our life, in each one of our lives, is to become the very image of Jesus, to become like Christ, because that's why the... That's what the work God wants to do in us, is to transform us, 2 Corinthians 3.18. Transform us into His likeness, from glory to glory, or with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So God's at work in us, transforming us into the very image of Christ. He wants us to be set apart from what is common to serve God's purpose. So the question comes then, a very simple question, well... What about my hobbies? Those aren't religious per se. What about anything I do in my life, really? But this we're going to key in on this idea of hobbies because it comes uh, comes to us that we think about what what should I be doing with my time? If I have time and I'm supposed to be like Christ, am what am I doing what Christ would be doing or what Christ wants me to do? So I have. Five principles that have established here in relationship to this topic. Five principles for hobbies and holiness. Kind of five principles for uh, looking at the things we do and saying, is this what I should be doing? So number one, and some of these verses are probably self-evident. and You can look them up later. Some of them I'll mention, some of them I'll go to and we'll look at in detail there. But number one, secular activity. In other words, uh, this idea of secular, what's secular mean? Well, you got your religious things, you got your secular things. So it's just normal, everyday things, secular things, worldly things. Usually in the sense of worldly, we talk about something that's sinful, it's so worldly. But there are some things in the world that I would say aren't sinful. So I would say secular activity is fine, it's good, and it's necessary. Uh, letter A there, Jesus was a carpenter. We think of Jesus in the last three years of his life as he was a minister and serving everything that he did. We'll read, start reading through the uh, Gospels and it's like he was going, 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 ministry, 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 right? Well, he spent the uh, first part of his adult life as a carpenter. In Mark 6, 3, some of the people said, isn't this Jesus, the carpenter? That's what he was known for. Being a carpenter. He worked with his hands. He built things. He did things. Nothing wrong with building things, doing things. That's what Jesus did. Jesus also, if you didn't know this, Jesus ate food. Is there anything particularly religious about eating food? No, just a very simple point. Jesus ate. 
Jesus drank. He actually got a little bit in trouble for it because he was eating and drinking at a little party that Levi had thrown for him. And the Pharisees come up and they say, what's he doing eating and drinking with the the publicans and sinners? So Jesus, yeah, he did eat food. Um, And also we have another example of Paul. Paul made tents. Paul was a tent maker. He had a trade that he had in common with some other Christians, and so they spent time together working at their trade. Acts 18, verse 3. So a very simple point which makes us stop and think about anything that we do. And we know there are religious things that we do. We're gathered here today um, devoting this time, this this sacred time, this is special holy time as the church comes together, assembles to remember Christ Jesus as he instructed us to. So this is not a secular thing we're doing here. This is purely religious, right? But there are also non-religious things that we do throughout the week, and that's fine. Does anybody here have a job? That's a good thing, right? We got jobs, we do things. Eventually, we want to retire and then not do things. (laughs) Well, actually do different things, right? So doing stuff, there's nothing. Secular activity, it's fine. It's necessary. I encourage you to keep eating. All right, so number two then, leisure time is a blessing. So there there are things that we have to do and we're busy doing things. We're working. We have to uh, contribute to our families. But then we also realize that we need rest. In Exodus 23.12, it references this idea that in seven days the Lord made everything and on the seventh day he rested. Um, and, and that's the way it worked in Genesis. And in, num- in Exodus, I've got to go there because now that I've referenced it, I've got to make sure I get it right because it doesn't say what I just said. So in Exodus 23.12, it says... Six days you are to do your work, but on the seventh day you shall cease from labor so that your ox and your donkey may rest. And the son of your female slave as well as your stranger may refresh themselves. Animals need a break. People need a break. You and I need a break. We need rest on occasion. We need to make sure we program rest into our lives. So this idea of having leisure time where we are resting, that is a blessing from the Lord God. Um, Now, I I think, too, of Psalm 23. He he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. You know, this we need moments where we are resting and relaxing. Um, Mark chapter 6. Let's turn there. In Mark chapter 6, verses 30 and 31, here is an incident where Jesus had just sent out his apostles, and they had gone everywhere, and they were healing the sick and casting out demons. They had been working, doing things, busy, busy, busy. And in verse number 30 of Mark 6, it says, the apostles gathered together with Jesus, and they reported to him all they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a secluded place and rest for a while. For there were many people coming and going. They did not even have time to eat. 
So the apostles, they had been working, 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 ministering, serving others, doing all kinds of things for others. And they needed a break. They needed some rest. They needed a moment to themselves. Uh, if you keep reading, it's interesting. The people didn't let them get that moment either. So, But anyhow, that, work, that happens sometimes. But rest is good. Leisure time is a blessing. We also know from Philippians chapter 4, this is a great passage for us, and we have another um, principle from Philippians 4 that we're going to come to later. But turn to Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. So this idea of too much work, that builds stress and anxiety. There are other things that do it, but if you don't have that time to rest, that is going to create stress and anxiety. Those things are sinful. We are to be anxious for nothing. Of course, Jesus said, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or what you will wear. So don't worry. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Don't worry. Don't be anxious. Leisure time helps us to relax, decompress, or some of these words that we use nowadays. And stress is not good. So leisure time is a blessing. Now on to number three. Third principle. So number first principle is to just note that secular activity, it's okay. Number two, leisure time is a blessing. God wants us to have that rest, have that leisure. And now as we start thinking more about how we use that time, here's some additional principles to follow. Physical activities are beneficial to the body. Um, in letter B there, I have some of these things listed. You know, whether you're exercising in some way, working out, bicycling, or swimming, or whether you're involved in sports and those things. These are, this is the, these are some of the things we can do with our leisure time. Um, and by the way, some of our work, some of our job, it has this physical component, and that's a good thing too, I would point out physical activities are beneficial to the body so with letter a it says we should take care of god's temple we should be want to we should want to be healthy physically scripture tells us that we should in first corinthians uh chapter number six first corinthians six and we're going to look at verses 19 and 20 it says, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? So I'll just pause there. When we are immersed into Christ, when somebody believes in Jesus and knows he's the only way to be saved, and I've got to have him in my life, I want to be like him, I want to follow him, I need washed and cleansed of my sins so I can be right with him. You get immersed into Jesus, and in that moment when you're immersed, your, your sins are washed away, and you also receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to live in you. And it's not a shocking thing that you suddenly feel, whoa, what was that? I just felt something, right? 
Anybody think back to your immersion? We didn't have that kind of experience, but we trust what God says. Holy Spirit came to live in each one of us when we were immersed into him. Our body is a temple. This is where God lives. This is where God lives in each one of us. So your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, continuing in at the end of verse number 19, and that you are not your own. You're not your own. Your body's not even your own. For you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. Glorify God in your body. What you do should glorify God. And there's also this suggestion in there, I think it's broader than this, but there's the suggestion in here, take care of your body. This is where the Holy Spirit lives. So take care of this body. The Spirit should, should it, people should look at you and think you care about your life that is now in Christ. So exercise is a great thing. Exercise, physical activities are beneficial to the body. So this is just one simple reason to say that um, hobbies are good. Our hobbies, if they give us an opportunity for physical exercise, not every hobby will do this. But a lot of hobbies do give us some physical benefit, and that's a good thing. All right, so secular activity is fine and necessary. Leisure time is a blessing from God. And physical activities are beneficial to the body. And it can glorify God. All right, number four, social activities are opportunities for sharing the truth. Opportunities for you to share the truth. All right, so build relationships in order to evangelize. When you have a hobby, and you can use that hobby in such a way to build relationships with others, a lot of hobbies do this. A lot of times hobbies just, hey, it gives us an opportunity to talk to somebody else. Even if we do the hobby on our own, it gives us a chance to communicate with somebody else about the things we like. If you happen to live in Cincinnati, you can usually talk to somebody else about the Bengals. Well, in, in the last couple of years, maybe. <laughs> Other years, you might have talked about the Reds, maybe. Okay, But maybe you talk about, what else might you talk about? You might talk about uh, gaming. You might talk about what you do, you know, the, the games you play on your computers. You might talk about um, the way that you cook. You might talk about art together. There are lots of, you might talk about fishing together. You know, and these things, so we can use our hobbies as an opportunity to build relationships. And then we want to do this very next thing is use this as an opportunity as we build those relationships. We want to evangelize. So let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You can even keep your finger in 1 Corinthians. We're going to come right back almost to that same page. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And this whole section is, it's all about, well, Paul's speaking, he's saying, I'm doing everything I can to reach others for Christ. Okay, um, verse 11 says, Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest to God, and I hope that we are made manifest 
to your conscience, consciences also. Okay, but hear what he says. We, we persuade men. Because we know the fear of the Lord, because we know God, we want to persuade men. We want other people to fear God. This good, strong, healthy, that, hey, God is good, man, I'm not so good, so i got to bow before him. I realize he's the one I'm going to answer to someday, and that's the fear of the Lord. He is so awesome and wonderful. Oh, man, I'm so messed up sometimes. So I bow to God in fear. Reverence is fear and reverence and awe. They all kind of come hand in hand together. God is great. I'm not so great. Especially when I see him, I'm really not great. So since I know the fear of the Lord, we persuade men. We're going to let other people go around and and say, oh, look how great I am, and knowing they're going to answer someday to God, who's going to say, "Uh, you're thinking pretty highly of yourself. You should have humbled yourself before me, but now I'm going to humble you. You exalted yourself in this life. Now I will humble you at the end of life, and you will pay eternity in hell for your sins because you did not humble yourself before me. So anyhow, Paul, Paul says, you know, we persuade men. That's the whole thought that he's going with here. And that's what he wants to persuade men. He wants people to know the truth. Look at verse 16. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, we now know him in this way no longer. It's, this is having a spiritual perspective. You can know somebody according to flesh. you got a neighbor who lives next door and Maybe you say hi when you take out the trash and you meet down at the end of the driveway or something. Uh, but do we actually just say, hey, this is the guy who lives next door, or is this another soul who needs to know Jesus? We view Christ, everyone he met, he saw them from this, this eternal perspective. We have to learn to see people through the eyes of God. And that's what Paul is saying, is that, I don't know anybody according to flesh. We recognize no one according to flesh. I use my spiritual eyes now that I've come to know Christ. And so when I have some kind of social interaction, I've got an opportunity because I've got this hobby to build relationships with others. Now I've got an opportunity to see others through the eyes of Christ. And then hopefully I will care about them and try to persuade them of the truth. On down to verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So if you have a hobby, can you use your hobby in some way to build a relationship with somebody and share with them the truth, to be an ambassador for Jesus? Does your hobby give you that opportunity? And now back to the 1 Corinthians passage. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 22 and verses 22 and 23, Paul said, To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that I may by all means save some. I can do all things, or excuse me, I do all things for the sake of the gospel so that I may become a fellow partaker of it. I mentioned Paul was a tent maker. 
Do you think he had some way to relate? He says, I do all things for the sake of the gospel. Did his tent making have anything to do with the gospel? Working with leather, maybe who knows what all he was building. Maybe he built cells for, for ships. What is a tent to live in, a, a, a ship to go fl- flying down the sea with? What does that have to do with the gospel, Paul? Well, he was supporting himself. He was making money. So then that money could be used to feed him and he would continue to be able to evangelize. It, it, it fits. It's real simple. If There's nothing wrong with building tents, is there? And the great thing is he used the money that he got from selling those tents, he used it to further the gospel. And a lot of you um, have, I'm the only one here, I believe, who has a job that is directly, you know, it's just Christian, you know. I'm a preacher. I get paid to to preach and to teach and to share the, the gospel truth with others and do Bible studies. I, you know, my job is really relevant to the gospel, isn't it? That's a cool thing. I'll give you that. Really feels good to have that opportunity. And I thank you. I should thank you more often that I have this wonderful blessing. What about your job? Well, I pray you're doing everything and much of what you do at your work, these principles will apply to that you can use your work as an opportunity to to make money and support the gospel being shared, but you can also build relationships at your work, reach out to others, have a book club with people at work. That's not a bad idea. We'll give you an opportunity to talk religion with people. You know, there's just all kinds of... You could have a Bible study. I always think of uh, Gail's father... Who, uh, who would do these, he'd study the Bible on, on breaks at a GM. You know, and people would study with him. That's, that's what we, we look for opportunities to share the gospel, to win souls. We should use all our things to win souls. Look at Luke 16, 9. Um, it's kind of a strange parable here in Luke 16. Um, very different from a lot of Jesus' parables, but when he sums it up, in Luke 16, 9, you can go back and read the, God, the parable for yourself. It's kind of, this is the point of the story. He says, I say, to you, I say to you, make friends for yourselves by mean of the wealth of unrighteousness. Now, he's not talking about, you know, hey, you made this money gambling, you made this money sinning or something. No, m- money is, mo- stuff is just stuff. It's not particularly religious. It's wealth is just wealth. But he's saying, you know, use your money, use your things um, to make friends. And then he ends it so that when it fails, they will receive you into the eternal dwellings. The only, it's a strange little verse, but the only way I can think of this is that, hey, we use all of our stuff to win souls. Build relationships so we can bring people to Jesus. It has to do with establishing eternal dwellings, the eternal, the eternal truths. So we should use all our things to win souls. All right, so secular activity is fine. Leisure time, it's a blessing from God. We need it. Physical activities are great. They're beneficial to the, to the body, to the temple of God. Social activities are um, beneficial for uh, giving us opportunities to share the truth. And number five, when it comes to your hobby, 
whatever it might be, don't let a good hobby become a snare. So quickly, let's go through these last couple of things. Letter A, to desire a hobby more than God is sin. We can't put anything above God. Look at Mark 4, uh, verse number 19. Here is the parable of the seed or the sower or the soils, however you want to call this parable. Verse 19, it says, The worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. So stuff has a way, when it says riches, the deceitfulness of riches, the deceitfulness of wealth, the deceitfulness of things, things just have a way of pulling us, trying to pull us away from God and our hobbies can do the same thing. This passage is about the word having, a, having an effect in our heart, our heart being good soil so that we can produce fruit. We should be paying attention to what God says and not get, devoting more time to our hobbies than to God and his word. Letter B, our minds was, must dwell on worthy things. Philippians Chapter 4, verse 8. So here's our second passage from Philippians. All of Philippians 4 is going to be a good place for us to study and to learn about this from. So Philippians 4, 8 says, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence, and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. So usually a hobby is something we devote ourselves to in our leisure time. Is that, through all of these things that are listed here, do, does your hobby qualify as such? You know, sometimes it's okay for us to let our mind escape and do different things, but is there anything about our hobby that is detrimental, that is not Christ-like, that would pull us away from the good things, things that are worthy of praise. If there's anything unworthy about a hobby, then get rid of it and find something else. Letter C says, remember we are at war. So this idea of leisure time is interesting to me because I I make this, uh, this thought came to me, I was like, but we're at war. How do we have leisure time when we're at war? You think in Ukraine, you think they're... Um, they're spending a lot of time leisurely. Do you think they look forward to their Saturdays so they can have the day off? It's war isn't very much like that. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. In verses 3 and 4. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who, is in, who has enlisted him as a soldier. So we got to consider this and have a little bit of a balance here. Hey, if we're spending all of our time leisurely, 
as a Christian and we're not really doing anything to engage the battle for souls, the battle for our soul and the battle for other souls, then we need to be very aware that we're, we're in danger of making our hobby more important than our holiness. And God wants us to get engaged in the real battle. So nothing, again, you got to fit this, you got to weigh it out. Nothing wrong with leisure time. But if we're not engaging as a soldier for the cross, then there's something wrong. And especially, you take it to the previous point, if, you, if there's something about your hobby that's not Christian-like, it's not Christ-like, then that definitely needs to go, and you need to get at war and get rid of that thing. Letter D says, don't let leisure time become laziness. In Matthew 25, 26, that's where he calls this, the one, the servant who had buried his talent and said, here's your talent back, he calls him a wicked, lazy slave. Don't be lazy. Don't let your hobby, and this is the one where we think of our computers and our devices, those things are hobbies. Nothing wrong with television, nothing wrong with programs. Uh, well, I take that, that's some of them, yeah, there are some things wrong with them. But TV in and of itself, a phone in and of itself, a, you know, that stuff, there's nothing really that wrong with it unless we devote all of our time to it and it makes us lazy and we're not productive for the Lord God. Letter E says, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. That's just a beautiful passage and we should turn there and look at this last verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 10, verse number 31. Whatever then you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So consider your hobbies today. It kind of applies to, a lot of these principles apply to our work, what we do, whatever you do. Devote it to God. Make sure it brings glory to God. Make sure it honors Him. It gives weight and glory to God. If you've never given your life to God, then today's an opportunity for you to give glory to God by giving Him your life and let Him work in your life so that everything that you do in your life can bring glory to Him and bear fruit for Him, that you can be transformed into the very image of Christ. If you need to give Christ your life today, you're welcome to come as we stand together and sing the song of encouragement.